you are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Adam Modest. Adam, can I can I just, like, rant a little bit? Not even rant. I mean, you're can going I, to whether I say yes or no, so go for it. Can I whine a little bit? Oh, my God. Is this a Lakers wine? No, it's not a Lakers wine. Okay, it's a yeah. it's a it's a Jersey wine. Can I can I okay? I, Let me hear. If it. you're gonna if you're gonna put together a jersey that is not your team's typical colors, I think it is your imperative to put together a court that matches that jersey. You think? I think so. What do you think? I mean, look, I think it's cool when they when I, I like the idea of these new courts, just like I like the idea of the new jerseys. But I feel like I feel like Nike's doing too much this year. I feel like they're doing a little too much, man. Just do there's, less. Yeah, there's a couple of these courts that I'm like, all right, don't, it's a distraction. Like, I'm not I'm actually not even joking about this. The Miami, the Miami, like, oh, yeah, that's, court, that's way far. The out same there. with Charlotte. Like that's when you're watching those two point. games. You can't not watch the you can't watch the game because you're just so like oh my god this is incredible so <laughs> you're right you started the rant I finished it because um, yeah we're, I guess we're both washed but I I don't like it see I I, I watched Milwaukee play and they have the light blue uniforms with the dark yeah. green court and I'm like uh, who am I rooting like who right, should people yeah. be rooting for here yeah, the true. Lakers have the same thing they have their purple court then they wear their blue uniforms you like. Who is the home court? Who's yeah. the home team here? I have no idea yeah. what's going on. I'm old. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at. Mm-hmm. We have a stocked show for you. We wasted too much time probably on that rant. <laughs> we have a full night's worth of games to get to. In the second segment, there is a lot going on regarding uh, the league and COVID right now. And then in the third segment, we have a set of power rankings for the teams that are the most uh, in trouble or, or fan bases that should be the most concerned. Let's start though with those games. The Sixers uh, lose to the Nets without KD, without Kyrie. Uh, you had yeah. Charles Barkley ranting and raving about why the Sixers aren't a real contender anymore. <laughs> Adam, course. did you, what, what was your, what was your takeaway from this one? Well, I luckily did not hear that rant, um, but we can analyze this game at our, our, on our own. And, you know, first of all, one of the things that this season has taught us is that there's just going to be real irregularities. And this is true of an 82 game season in a normal environment with normal home court of this, or that, but you know, this season in particular, it just seems like, Oh, this is a lopsided mismatch. But what I really take away from this game, Anthony, if you, if you look at the minutes played from the nets, they had five, ten, 10 players play, mm. 18 minutes or, or 16 minutes or more. Most of those guys playing over 20 minutes and yet balanced attack. You just had a great, well-balanced, you know, night. Of course you get big performances uh, from, uh, from a couple key guys, but uh, including Joe Harris, who was 11 for 19, six of nine from the three point line, 28 points. He was pretty on fire, man. He had some crazy nice. shots, but we've talked about Kyrie and KD. They're the, they're on the marquee. But this Nets team is kind of deep. I'm not kind of. They're very deep, and they have a lot of good players. And they kind of despite that losing Dinwiddie. Like they, right. this is right. This is them without Dinwiddie, who is a a a, a very good, uh, you know, kind of backup third option kind of guard. Yeah, I, I, I take it. I think far too often when you see a game like this, you look at the team that lost, and you say like, oh, how could you lose with right. Embiid and with Ben Simmons and. Right. God, this has to be this grand statement about those players. But like, why not every so often credit the team that overcomes adversity and just wins? I think that, 
and think tonight that's a far that was, more interesting story. And that was one of it. I mean, guys just made shots today. Um, you know, uh, on the nets, you had a lot of guys that just kind of stepped up in big moments and kept, and, and kept making plays. On the other side, though, if you do want to look at Philadelphia, Ben Simmons' night tonight was just very bizarre. Four of thirteen, just eleven points, four rebounds, two assists. He was such a non-factor in a team worst minus twenty-two, and that was, I think, appropriate. That was allowed minus twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's tough. I saw him trying to take jumpers and that might've been like his case to everybody else. Like, this is why I don't take jumpers. Yeah, and just sloppy <laughs> as well. Five turnovers, just like not, it just didn't seem in control of the game, but you know, it happens in the night. Hat, tip your hat to the nets. They've won with Kyrie without KD. They've won with KD without Kyrie. Now they've won without either guys. Like they're an interesting, they're such an interesting team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve Nash for the best non head coach coach of the year. Next, uh, next game on the tally here was the Cleveland Cavaliers beating the Memphis Grizzlies. You texted me, hey, turn on. League pass the- alert. Yeah, texted me, <laughs> hey, turn on this game. It's five minutes left. It's a tie game. You got to yeah. watch the rest of this. It was 88-88. It yeah, finished a- in <laughs> Throwback game, throwback game. You guys have to understand something about Anthony too. He does not like watching these teams. This is not, you know, everybody likes a little something different about the NBA. So his Adam, it was 88, 88. The two teams combined to score six more, eight more points. Oh wow! (laughs) Barn burner. I will say though, uh, Andre Drummond threw a pass that I didn't think he was capable of. That basically sealed the game. And Tyus Jones had a really uh, rough stress, uh, rough stretch uh, to, to finish it. But Drummond, he is somebody who's been like basically on the trading block since he got to Cleveland. And this is a, a young cat team that has basically been written off as like, this is another rebuilding year, but they are defending their butts off this year. They're five and four. Uh, their fans love them. Like this is one of those, this is one of those really cool, kind of building years developmental years that i i wish fan bases really got behind the the local team for more often hmm. I, I don't really want to speak to that um because i just don't really know to be honest the, the fan bases intimately enough but what i do want to say is that this Cavs team to me has been one of the best stories of the season so far in my opinion of course you had andre Drummond. yeah you had andre Drummond with his monster night 22 points 15 rebounds even three assists two steals he filled it all up um he did have the worst highlight of the season though so had to you know shout out to andre Drummond. <laughs> or best and, and or best yes an, an air ball layup that started about three feet from the rim and finished about 10 feet from the rim but but it was a good game <laughs> without for him. being blocked it was a good game for him on, on pretty heavy minutes and then isaac okoro has been such an interesting rookie early on here his stats don't pop off the screen eight points two rebounds two assists but everything i've seen from him to me rookies especially lottery pick rookies so often it's the sizzle that you notice first like oh look he could do this and once he learns the game i think okoro's a guy that like knows the game you know he has he has like a veteran's presence in a lot of the other parts of it and and he has 39 minutes Team thir- high. Thir- and, and that tells you something for a team that's five and four right now for him to play. And they do have, you know, veterans, albeit JaVel McGee, um, you know, guys behind him that at least have some, <laughs> some experience. And then the last guy I want to shut out in this one, you know, the Cavaliers entered this game without, you know, really a, a, a point guard, um, mm-hmm. you know, because for, Sexton out Garland Sexton out and Garland. Um, but you, you do get contributions from a bunch of other guys, including Larry Nance jr. Who I think is having a very good year, 18 points. He was a plus 13 in this game, a, t- a game high plus 13. And, um, you know, he's just off to a great start. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to race through the next one uh, to give you more time to talk about the game that you were paying attention to, the, the Dallas-Denver game. Lakers lose to the Spurs 118-109. How come, how come when the Lakers lose, you don't want to talk about it for very long? When they win, you want like, to spend... We have, we have like have two, two combined minutes here. Do you want to... Which would you rather <laughs> talk about? Saying, I'm just saying, man, this is how you this is how you do it. I think you, if you wanted to speed through one, actually... I, in fact, I am going to all the bullet on you. Why don't we speed through Timberwolves Trailblazers? Because this was a 135-117 game. Game. This was regulation, by the way. Uh, 135 uh, gets put up on Minnesota, and since I mean they they are a snake bitten franchise, and certainly this season they had hopes of competing for the playoffs. And not that I mean we're only eight games into it, but two and six, and it haven't been a competitive six losses that they've had mm-hmm. tonight. They get outscored in the second quarter, 47 to 27, and this is a team that just they they I think are pretty. Their season's by no means over. But they are just in such a hole again uh, that it just it, you feel kind of bad for them because they're not competitive in these games. Yeah, we're going to talk about them. I would imagine in the third segment. Maybe, <laughs> actually, well, maybe you should. Have you, you, should. Teased, have you should. teased the third second segment yet? We did. We talked about the teams okay. that are the most in trouble. So I would uh, hope that the the, the, the Timberwolves come up. Uh, I am again going to race through the <laughs> the Spurs. Beating the Lakers. The Lakers. No, let's do that having... in segment two. We'll do it in segment two. All right. Well, we have we have a really important story to talk about in segment okay. two. Okay. All righty. So in 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 this uh, San Antonio Lakers game, the San Antonio come into the to into LA sweep. It's funny. It, 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 there was no uh, LA nightlife to be enjoyed, so the Spurs came in and took care of business. <laughs> Is that what happened? And, <laughs> yeah, they swept uh, the Clippers Lakers back to back. And the Lakers, like, this has been a thing. They've just kind of coasted by. They've tried to, like, put together a 10-minute spurt that wins themselves the game, and they try to do that against the Spurs. It didn't work out. And quite frankly, watching the Lakers this year hasn't been that much fun. All right, what's your what's your thoughts from the uh, Dallas-Denver game? Uh, that went why do we just do that on the other side? We could get both stories in. This is crazy. We want to talk. Oh I want to God. talk about that game because Denver's an interesting one. So we'll. Get all right, all right, all right. So we'll, we'll we'll go ahead and take a quick second here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Adams. Uh, Denver. It Nuggets also State. leads into our other story. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you in part by betonline.ag. Head on over to betonline.ag and then use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that is a 50% welcome bonus. Put 100 bucks in there, you get 50 bucks to just play around with it your, however you feel like doing it. And there are a ton of options to be able to do that. You have NFL wildcard weekend this weekend. You have the college football uh, national championship coming up a ton of really interesting NBA games. Uh, whatever it is that you feel like choosing to, to put a couple bucks on that is your calling. Just do so responsibly is, is all we ask one more time. That is betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. They have an incredible interface, ton of options, quick payouts, which is the whole point in all of this. So one more time, that is betonline.ag. Promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Do so responsibly. All right, let's go to the Dallas Mavericks beating the Denver Nuggets in overtime, 124 to 117. And Adam, I'm I'm gonna be honest here. 
this was your game to to give notes on. So I want to I want to hear all of your thoughts. Well, I want to hear what on... you thought. Well, <laughs> all right. So I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. So I'll, no. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and, and, and bullcrap myself uh, through no, this. No, so no, Luka okay. Don- no. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So this game, you know, goes into overtime. I wouldn't say, you know, for an overtime game, I wouldn't say it was a good one. It was kind of a sloppy game. Uh, mm. Both teams in the first half, both teams, I think, below 34% from the field, not the three-point line, from the field. And with a decent amount of turnovers, there were stretches in this game where you could have played the circus music because it was just brick shot off a fumbled pass off of dribble off the shoe. I mean, it was just, it was a pretty sloppy game. And it was indicative of both teams. So Denver and Dallas both come in at three and four. And both teams, I think, with big aspirations this year, wanting to try to become grow into contenders throughout the course of the season and for one team was going to go to four and four that turned out to be the Dallas Mavericks the other drops to three and five and I think even though it's early in the season that gap is pretty big with this game in particular one thing people don't really probably don't realize orthodox Christmas which is celebrated mm. both, I believe, I know by Nikola Jokic and Boban Marjanovic and also by Luka Doncic whose father is Serbian was today this was Serbian. They go by the Julian calendar for Christmas. So today was mm. their Christmas. We all celebrated Christmas on the 25th. They celebrated on January 7th. So today was kind of a big holiday for those three players. And you saw great performances from all of them. 38 points from Luka Doncic tonight to go around to go with 13 assists, nine rebounds. Uh, you also got 38 points to match uh, and 11 rebounds, four assists from Nikola Jokic. Um, and then Bo- Boban, even though he only had 12 points in 16 minutes, was a, a major impact in this game. But uh, what stood out to me as somebody that has been covering Denver and has been watching them quite a bit, they lost Jeremy Grant, who decided to go to Detroit for a variety of reasons that were reported in The Athletic, including wanting to play for a black coach in a black city and a black organization and felt very strong convictions. And, and there was a really great write up in The in the Athletic about that decision. Mm-hmm. Denver has not been able to fill that void. They're playing very small. And if you look at the minute totals it's tonight- It's a very difficult void to, to fill, by the way. Like it, athletic it, three, yes. who can also hit three-pointers and- Denver traded a first-round pick for him with yeah. the plans and hopes of him being a long-term piece. They knew that he was a sort of piece that they were missing. They acquired him thinking that he would be a guy that would be here for four or five seasons. Um, and, and so his when he left, that was a major void. But you look at the minute totals tonight, and this has been true for the Nuggets all season. 46 minutes for Jamal Murray, 41 for Nikola Jokic, 40 for Gary Harris. Those guys are up there playing near the top of anyone in the NBA right now in minutes per game, in large part trying to right the ship, but in large part because the Nuggets just don't seem to have a lot of guys that have earned Michael Malone's trust. Only eight guys played real minutes. Isaiah Hartenstein, the ninth guy, plays just five minutes tonight. So Denver right now, it's a story of Michael Porter was out. We'll talk about him in a second. But Denver just doesn't have a lot of guys that they trust night in and night out. And as a result, they're playing their guys a lot of minutes and they're still not winning. That's the scary part is that they're playing their core guys big minutes and they aren't and they aren't able to to win. You know, and 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 look in the NBA nowadays, I have contended for a long time that athletic three slash four who can also hit three pointers if that isn't you know your, your primary ball handler uh there there are ways around it but if you don't if you don't have somebody else to kind of fill that role and defend the primary ball handler at the wing spot you're in trouble yeah. <laughs> like, the best players in the nba are playing at that three flat uh, slash four spot lebron kd 
Luka Doncic, exactly. And that Luka. takes you to tonight because Luka going yeah. for 38 points, 13 assists, nine rebounds. You know, it was a clutch fest down the stretch. Jokic could, you know, making incredibly cut shots, including a buzzer beater beater three-pointer to tie the game. And then you also have Luka Doncic, who in the fourth quarter and in overtime, I think Jokic 15 points in the fourth quarter, Luka Doncic, I, I think eight points in, in overtime, both guys just coming up clutch. But for Denver, there was nobody to even put on Doncic and it made it look very easy. So a real void for Denver and I think a real concern, but also a concern, and this is where we segue, yeah. Michael Porter Jr. absent from this game. He had just missed one week's time for health and safety, safety protocols because he was reportedly around somebody who tested positive for COVID seven days. That's the time you have to sort of quarantine in, in that. But then it comes out today that he's going to have to quarantine another 10 days for a separate uh, health and sa- uh, health and safety protocol that was not part of the original. What I think this means, Anthony, or what, you know, what, what presumably what this means, seven days, that's if you're exposed. 10 days, that's if you contract COVID. So I don't know that that's what happened, but it certainly follows the timelines of what is being reported in terms of the days. And this is a tough one break for Denver because so much of their season hinged on Michael Porter. We talked about a lack of wing depth. So much mm-hmm. of it hinged on integrating him into their offense because he's so talented but he's so young and it's not often you get a talented young player on a veteran contending team so much of it was about integrating him into the lineup and so much of their offseason plans were that here we are just uh, eight games into the season he's missed half of them and it looks like he's going to miss another four or five games going forward this is for denver a real test and for the league i think also beginning we're starting to see some of these cracks of uh, where they're really being tested with COVID and the challenge that it presents to them. Yeah. I mean, you, you add to that what went on in Philly, right? So I'm reading here from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting for ESPN. He writes Philadelphia 76ers guard, Seth Curry returned a positive test for the coronavirus, yeah. which the team learned of near the start of its 122 to 109 loss of the nets in Brooklyn on Thursday right. night. Yeah. Uh, the Sixers are staying overnight in New York and will commence contact tracing Friday morning. The team will do a round of testing Friday in accordance with the NBA's health and safety protocols. Curry, who sat out Thursday's game with left ankle soreness, spent the first quarter on the bench uh, before the Sixers were made aware of a positive test. He was wearing a mask and was seated next to assistant coach Sam Cassell and center Joel Embiid. Curry then left the court arena and headed into isolation. He left the Barkley Center separately from the team. Embiid, who has a three-month-old son, told ESPN he plans to self-quarantine from his family until he is satisfi- satisfied he didn't contract the virus. Right. Philadelphia is next set- scheduled to play Saturday at home against the Denver Nuggets. Michael right. Porter Jr. Correct. Uh, and 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 by the way, those Nets played tonight. Are- yeah, <laughs> they headed out on an airplane to their next destination, uh, which I, I, I is not on Boston. In, in I think, right I think it might've been Boston. I can't, yeah. remember, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, yeah. yeah. So the point here, and this is where the NBA is different from the NFL, different from major league baseball, where major league baseball is inherently a socially distanced sport. And mm-hmm. you know, there's certain things you can do basketball. These guys are breathing on each other, sweating on each other in close contact and in close proximity for a long time. And Oh, by the way, they're slated to play games here in 48 hours if one domino falls, should a team like Philadelphia, and there's reason to be, be, I mean, very concerned about this. If one team ends up, you know, having to multiple players 
so much so that it hinders their ability to be competitive? Does the NBA then go in and as they said they would do and reschedule? But now you're talking about two teams with schedule, every team Mm -hmm. that they play. Now do we back up those? By the way, Denver scheduled to play both of those teams in a row here coming up. They have Philadelphia, the Knicks, and then the Nets. So there's ripple effects that can fall through this. The NBA is seeing their first real COVID challenge. In my opinion, this is their first like major COVID challenge. And we just don't know. One of the things that we have learned about COVID is that players can be exposed and contract COVID without testing positive for several days. So now you have a team in the Philadelphia 76ers who is around Seth Curry, who just learned that he was positive. The players could test negative to tomorrow and test positive on Saturday or Sunday or Monday. And that's the real risk that the NBA has is if they get these negative tests back, do they roll the dice and say, we think we're good? What, you know, how do they go from here and and how cautious do they need to be? Yeah. I mean, remember when the NBA first went through any of this with a single positive test at a time where, where the numbers across the country were far lower than they are right now, they shut down the season. Well, there were different circumstances there. I mean, there were, for, first of all, right. we, we did do, there, we, we knew significantly less, less. Yes, correct. That's, yep. that's fair. That's fair. But the the NBA after that went into a bubble and and I know that the logistics of putting everybody into a bubble and that the players union itself was not interested in going into a bubble again. Right. But this is the thing, this is the inherent risk of the way that they approached the season was was a potential COVID outbreak. And we are now seeing two teams uh, that could kind of upheave this portion of the season. And, and well, it's really, not- it's really one team that happened to play another one. So now there's two teams that we right, know of. Team. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. And, and so, so how the league handles the scheduling around those two teams, like in the NFL, for example, we saw this first in the, in, in major league baseball, where we saw a team in the Miami Marlins, throw off an entire portion like almost a month's worth of games in 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 major league baseball in the nfl they are heading into the actual playoffs and the cleveland browns are going to be playing their first playoff game in decades yeah without potentially their head coach without major parts of their organization and and you know the nba knew what they were walking into and they are now facing this and, and it's right. going to be interesting how they handle this moving forward. It will be interesting. And we should say that, I mean, first and foremost, I hope that, you know, the thoughts are with the, the people here because, you know, although Michael Porter has had controversial statements about even COVID in his past, and it makes him an easy target for this. We're talking about Seth Curry. We're talking about all the guys that are exposed in our, we yeah, often, human beings. we've just spent all this time talking about the league and what it means for the ramifications, but also for the health and safety of these players. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know the circumstances. I think there are a segment of the population that looks at this and says, you know, Oh, was somebody being reckless? We know James Harden. We saw him out at the club. You saw these different things. You're thinking, okay, you're reckless. And that is, that is reckless behavior when, mm-hmm. The league has protocols in place saying you can't do that. You're risking everybody's health. But it's also possible that people contract it through their family members who maybe contract it from the subway or from the, the grocery store or any just it's regular so pervasive. everyday life. It's almost impossible to avoid it. It's in point. every corner of the globe. It is literally a pandemic because it is everywhere. And so this <laughs> yeah. is just, a, I think... Uh, that gets lost sometimes when we talk about some of these logistics that these are real people dealing with real things and and in many cases though not all it is through no fault of their own or or, you know without inside the boundaries of what can be reasonably expected of people that are trying to 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 make sure everything is safe for yeah i mean remember with with russell westbrook right like he was very 
you know, very cautious about about COVID it, to the point where it was reported after the fact that he was actually kind of upset about the way that that Houston was handling all of this. And yet that's that's beyond his control. He contracts it. It kind of throws off his playoff performance to the point where, like, we question the player that Russell Westbrook is in and of himself. And and, you know, there's a very human element side to this thing. And we've reached this point, societally speaking, where anybody who contracts it, we just like throw them away as people who are being willy nilly about the protocols. And, And I just think. It's a really bad way to look at all of this. It's it's right. so pervasive. It's so present in our society that, right. that I think it's very irresponsible to look at it that way. Even with, by the way, somebody like Michael Porter Jr., who has said irresponsible things. Right. Like, even though he said those things, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was being inherently irresponsible. If he was, but, but, fine. We could talk about that. If, if we ever find, if, if it ever comes to be, and if it's ever reported that he was being legitimately irresponsible. But- the fact that he said those dumb things in the past doesn't mean that we have to just go out and right. laugh at the dude for catching an actual virus that and has not to mention at this point 360,000 people we, in the And country. we should say, first of all, and, and I, we need to cover ourselves here, Anthony, we don't know that he has it. It certainly yeah, seems by right. all indications that that is the case, but the team has yeah. not come out and said it. He has not come out and say it. It just, there's dots that seem very clear to be connected in that, that regard. That yeah. being said, they're also... It was never announced. It was never confirmed. But he also wasn't able to enter the bubble for a long time. And the Mm -hmm. implication, of course, then being that. So it is possible this is the second time catching it, which we know is possible. So, again, we're talking about pretty uncharted territories here, especially with regards to how it affects the body of a professional athlete. Yep. Hope everybody is okay. Uh, Hope the NBA figures out a way to, to, to steer through these, again, uncharted waters for the NBA unfortunately very chartered waters for for professional sports uh let's go ahead and and throw to uh the the power rankings that we're going to have here in a bit all right adam what are we power ranking this week well, we got to talk about this. It's it's bet. It's a uh, panic time, right? It's panic time. So <laughs> we have to we have to look at the teams that should be the most concerned, the most concerned at this point. Of course, we're only eight games in, but I got to be honest. There are some teams that I think should be a little bit worried. Do you think so? Like like already? I do. Two weeks in, I do. No. Did the teams that you're talking about have they played ten total games? No, they haven't. <laughs> but I'm worried about them, Anthony. I really am. All right, so uh, today on the jump, we are. Uh... <laughs> Man, you you really just like going after people. That was Anthony Irwin. Like that that was Anthony Irwin. Okay, um, my number five team. So this is five teams that I think need the most concern. Here's my number five team because I actually don't think that they need to have too much concern. It's not Minnesota, and let me just say one of the reasons I don't think Minnesota needs to be concerned. I think they know they were they were always a fringe playoff team. So the fact that they started so late, they have less far to fall. Okay, that's that's why. So some of this is grading on a scale a little bit. Can I go ahead? Can I? Do you think Minnesota fans feel that way? Do you think Carl it doesn't? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, does, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It's what the expectations were, and I think they were fair expectations. Minnesota was not a playoff team last year. They weren't close coming into the season. Most people, including Vegas, did not have them to be one of the top eight seeds. So I could sit here and say the Detroit Pistons need to be concerned. Um, you know, I could sit here and tell you the Washington Wizards need to be concerned, but those teams weren't projected. The teams that I have in here are teams that were, in many cases, projected to be contenders 
that I think have something to be concerned. So that's fair or not fair. That's how I did these rankings. So number five for me is the Miami Heat. The three and four, Dang. the three and four Miami Heat. Now, again, Miami was in the finals last year. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're grading on a scale. They had very high expectations, and they are off to uh, quite the slow start here. Um, they do have some good wins under their belt, but um, at three and four, sitting on the outside looking in, I think you can. I think you can be a little concerned. Should be noted, they've had the third most difficult strength of schedule. But to me, I, I Miami was a team that has a lot of continuity. I projected that they would have hit the ground running. You worry about them because they went so deep into the playoffs. Are they going to show fatigue so far? Outside of the playoffs in the East, looking in. So you said you thought they were going to hit the ground running. They're a team that lost in the finals, right? Only a couple months prior, right? We know that there is a hangover for teams that lose in the finals any given year. Okay. Why would why would the expectation be that like this would be a different team? Because of continuity. I mean, I think one of the things when you talk about a shortened offseason, a condensed schedule, you looked at teams that were bringing back most of their main pieces and you'd say, "Okay, those guys those teams are going to be good." Mm-hmm. And that just hasn't been the case for them so far. They've they're on the every other day scale right now. They have not lost two games in a row. They have not won two games in a row so far. Um, and you look at their wins, Oklahoma city. Well, that's one of the worst teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. New Orleans has been struggling. They did mm-hmm. get the win against Milwaukee. Um, but you know, that's that, that sandwich they between them by almost 50. They, they did. Well, they lost by 50. They lost oh, by that's 50 and then they won right. by 10 or 11. Yeah. So um, yeah, so, <laughs> I knew there was, there was a 50 pointer in there somewhere. I don't think that there's real reason. This is the one team. The other four teams, I think there's real concern, but Miami right. is one team that I look at and I go, okay, all right. Good yeah, I, I, I'm i willing to give them a little bit of leeway because of the continuity, because of the situation that they, that you know, because of the circumstances they're playing the season under. And and by the way, if they don't make the playoffs this year, it'd be obviously very disappointing for a team that was in the finals the year prior to not make the playoffs. But but because of how extraordinary these circumstances are, I I – I wouldn't really consider it some giant blow to the organization. Who's number four? Number four to me is the Houston Rockets. Now maybe expectations (laughs) needed to shift for them coming in just because of, you know, the Harden trade and and this or that. But, you know, there were still as recently as the preseason, a lot of people that thought, yes, this is chaos, but you know what? Look at all the talent. Look at all the players they have. They're still a talented team. Well, look two and four. And here's the shocker, Anthony. They've had the 30 easiest schedule so far. This is not, it's not like they've gone up against a murderer's row and just not, you know, a, a minus four point differential so far in the season. Um, I think most people have already written them off because of the turmoil and chaos that Harden and his trade demands have brought, but there might be two weeks away from everybody just writing that in pen. Yeah. I, I think at this stage of the season, when you have so much turmoil, it can either bring a team together or it can rip that team apart. And it definitely hasn't brought the team together. So I think we're probably only a couple games away from, from things really going sideways, which really sucks because, you know, at the end of the day, it's because of the, the choices of, of one superstar. Yeah. Um, they do have two wins over the Sacramento Kings. So there you go. They are, they are, have not won other than the Sacramento Kings. Uh, <laughs> number three on my list. And this one could honestly be higher. It, I think they're, they're moving up every single day. My Denver Nuggets. What? I hate to say it. I hate to say it. They're three and five. 
They've played a lot of home games now, and we know home games maybe don't they matter less this year, but it does, I mean, we can factor in travel. They haven't really gone on a long road trip. They're about to. They begin this Saturday. But here's the thing, Anthony. They've had the easiest schedule, according to basketball reference, straight the schedule uh, metric. The easiest <laughs> schedule. They're three and five. Here's another concerning thing for you. Nikola Jokic at this very moment is averaging 25.9, so 26 points per game, 11 and a half rebounds, 11 assists. That's a triple-double, and not just a little one, a 26-11-11 triple-double, yeah, a monster a one. Big one. He's shooting 57.5% from the field, 44.5% from the three-point line on three-and-a-half attempts a game. He is having an incredible season, one-and-a-half steals per game. Mm-hmm. An incredible year, and the Nuggets are three and five. They lost Michael Porter, who is a big piece, who will be out for at least another two weeks or ten days. There's Denver. Denver concerns me, man. They really, I really. There's a lot more evidence that they are not a very competitive team than that that they are a competitive team. I've, I've, I've never thought about this comparison before. But is Nikola Jokic the new Russell Westbrook? (laughs) A lot of sources. Yeah, you know, all signs point to yes. No, I look. I'm. Can I? Can I try to talk you off the? The, let me hear it. The, yeah. The let ledger. me hear it. Off the ledge. Let me hear it. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. Man, I was so ready for this. That was, I was excited. Uh, Jokic, 36 and a half minutes per game. Jamal Murray, 36 and a half minutes per game. That's, that's the thing there. Didn't, a, didn't a lot Murray, of... didn't Murray like start the season super cold though? Like they had a couple first, losses first... because of how poorly he was shooting. So Jamal Murray's the story on him throughout his career has been that he's just so wildly inconsistent. And of course in the yeah. bubble in the playoffs, we got the best version of him. Well, mm-hmm. if you go through, you know, he had nine points in opening night. <laughs> One for nine shooting. I remember. I bet on that team. I was pissed. <laughs> Back-to-back 30-point games a couple nights ago, then 13 points the next night. So, yes, he has been very inconsistent tonight. I think he had 15 points in the first quarter of tonight's game against Dallas. He finished with 21. So, um, he's been uneven. He looks worn out to me. I mean, you talk about another one, a short offseason, quick turnaround, and now a team that's relying on him for 40 minutes. Yeah, it's tough. So, Denver. Denver up there. Do, the do they concern. do they have the assets to like try to upgrade their roster, or do you think the it, thing that's like killing, if, if it if it really doesn't turn itself around, do you think there's a move they can make got, to, to they've turn got, around? They've got draft picks. They've got RJ Hampton and Zeke Naji. They've got Michael Porter Jr. is the big one sitting there. I mean, he's as much as he is at the center of uh, the Tough news try the spotlight. Now, yeah, well, yeah, it gets harder for sure. But um, he's a, such a talented player that I still think a lot of people will, um, you know, be mm-hmm. willing to risk it. But um you know we'll see it's just another one of those things where early in the season they're three and five you go on the road with philadelphia and brooklyn two good teams the knicks who are surging you know it's not beyond reason to think that they could be three and eight three and you know four and seven three and eight and if you get to that point you know maybe you do start to panic and think about a move the next one on my list though and this one pains me i like the team i'm rooting for the team but the memphis grizzlies at two and six this was the darling one of the darling stories last year of course they kind of got screwed a little bit with the play-in tournament in the bubble because they had so much momentum going into the bubble last year, lost it mm-hmm. all in the bubble, and then ended up getting bounced out of the playoffs. You thought this was the year they could take a leap. John Morant with that you know, that ankle injury that will sideline him for a bit, and they are 2-6, and six, the worst record in the Western Conference. Jaron Jackson Jr. also out. So you get into this moment where you have a team that had a lot of hope to build off of a great, you know, basically baseline season, and we're early in it, and they're already playing from behind. Yeah, I always feel kind of bad for teams that 
you know, we're kind of fringe playoff teams and people think that development is linear when it just, it just, we've had example after example, after example, after example, that it just flat out isn't, especially with young teams that had that kind of surprising season, you know, sometimes, and, and, and look, by the way, this is out of their hands, like losing, Right. They're yeah. two best players in in Triple J and in John Morant. Like there's just not much you can really do about that. Um, yeah. I will say I will say this though. Uh, they've been competitive. The, the the guys that have been left there and and you know they've lost. They've they they are struggling to to actually win some of these games. But you know and in, in the, they just played two games against the Lakers and in both of those games had stretches where they were for the vast majority of the game competitive. Now that has a lot to do with the fact that the Lakers haven't really cared this season, but, but still like I would, I, I haven't seen anything from, from that organization where everybody's saying, woe is me. And we're just not going to try to keep the, 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 keep trying to tread water until these guys get back. And they do have the second toughest schedule again, according to uh, basketball references, strength of schedule metrics. So to your point, they have had a, a, some tough ones, but just factoring in the record and the injuries, it's, yeah. you know, they, no, they, I mean, it, <laughs> that's the reality of the situation. And it feels weird, but we're almost, we're basically a 10th the way through the season, <laughs> you know, like it's the this season, you, you just cut off 10 games and everything moves a little bit quicker, but mm-hmm. my number one, are you ready? Number one, you could probably guess it. It's the Toronto Raptors. They, excuse me, the one in six Toronto Raptors. This is a team that, in addition to being one in six, this is a team with a minus four point seven point differential. They have had one of the tougher um, schedules, I believe. Yes, the sixth toughest schedule, but they're just another team that looks like they have expired a little bit, and that they are, um, you know, maybe a front runner to try to make a trade. Maybe even include themselves in the James Harden trade, or you know, something there. But they had hopes, once again, to be in a, a competitive, cont- fringe contending team who maybe can throw their hat in the ring, and so far it's not working out. They lost their front court, right? They lost it. They, they lost good. their front court, like like heading into this year. Oh, they right, lost yeah. Marcus All. They right, lost right. Serge Ibaka. Like, right, yeah. At some point, you start reaching a breaking point with the number of players that you could lose. The, the year prior, they lost Kawhi Leonard. and. You know, it's it's. I think they've we've kind of realized that uh, as great as Masai Ujiri is, and as great as Nick Nurse is, and as great as those players that are still left behind are, you 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 can only lose so much talent in the NBA. They also lost their home. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, a whole other thing. I mean, we will. Yeah. This actually can be discounted a little bit because yes, these guys are large, mostly it shouldn't not all, be, but. Yeah. No, no, no. L- l- largely, but not all millionaires and can afford a nice apartment for one year or house to rent or what have you. But there's a difference between being home and not being home. And they're not home right now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there's a lot of different variables that are in play. Wait, one in six. Would the would the Raptors put their players up in Tampa? I don't know that. That's a good question. I actually don't uh, know the answer to that question. Because uh, you would think because like these players are living there only because the like i would i would hope that the nba would pay for some of their moving expenses i really don't know the that's a good question uh, and i actually don't know the answer to that one come on adam Uh, you're the smarter (laughs) one between you between you i do feel like i'm letting you down on this one so there you go i will say talking through this and this makes me feel bad i made these rankings before we started talking talking through them might be Denver up to number two. <laughs> Denver maybe belongs one spice. I was surprised not to to see Utah on the list. 
I mean, they're four they've and been, four. They're, they've sure. been kind of funky. Like they've been, I, there's been a funk about them that like to the point where usually if you tweet something about Utah that is at all pejorative, Utah Twitter is going to jump down your throat. But like this year, if I tweet, man, I just can't quite figure this team out. There's just a weird thing about them. Most of the beat reporters will jump in and say like, yeah, neither can we. Well, a lot of this is that when, you know, early in the season, it's their teams are still finding themselves. It's important just to bank wins. It doesn't matter if you win ugly. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you win for different reasons. If you get wins, you're okay. And they're four and four. So they've banked enough wins to at least not be playing from behind the way that a Denver or a Toronto is. So that's why they're not on my list. Sure, they don't look good, but this guy's not falling on their record just yet. Mm. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NBA podcast. This week's episode of the Locked On NBA podcast. Adam, I just realized you and I hadn't recorded in like it's been a while, a few weeks. I know that people missed it. I maybe we'll see. <laughs> Please continue to stay safe out there, and Adam and I are going to be back here to talk to you guys next Friday.